Hello, friends. Today is December 29th, and this is the One Year Bible Tour Guide podcast. My name is David McAdam, pastor and Bible teacher at New Life Community Church and the producing director of New Life Fine Arts in Concord, Massachusetts, producing theater you can believe in with the gospel at the core. You know I treasure these days between the Christmas and New Year's holidays as they remind me to give thanks for the many ways that I have seen the Lord at work in the past year and prayerfully inquire as to how He would have me serve Him in the new year. It's a reflective time. He has been faithful to enable me to read the entire Bible out loud on this podcast, and by His grace we have not missed a day so far, with only two more days to go. He's granted me good health and much encouragement. We have seen people come to know the Lord personally at our worship gatherings. We have trained people in evangelism throughout New England and in the Pacific Northwest. We have joined with those committed to prayer for the lost in all the states that we have visited, and we have had hundreds of people come under the sound of the gospel for the first time through New Life Fine Arts Ministry of Theater You Can Believe In with the gospel at the core. We look to the Lord as we pray for open doors for further ministry in the new year, recognizing the urgency to be equipped and mobilized in the Lord's work. We want to thank you for participating with us on this expedition. Even if you are just joining our journey tour through the Bible as we are about to pull into our last stop, You are hearing the word of the Lord, and we know that that in itself is a blessing. Please know that you are welcome to join us as we start in the book of Genesis again on the first day of the new year. Today we are reading about future events in the book of Zechariah and in the book of Revelation. Zechariah chapter 14 and Revelation chapter 20 have to do with events surrounding the second coming of the Lord and his kingdom reign upon the earth. You may recall that the song that is often sung at Christmas, Joy to the World, with words by Isaac Watts and music by George F. Handel, have no reference to the first coming of Christ. It is all about the second coming, although we take joy in what he accomplished in his first coming. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room, and heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ, while fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy, repeat, repeat the sounding joy. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of His righteousness and wonders of His love and wonders of His love and wonders, wonders of His love. So let's go now to the Old Testament book of Zechariah as he describes what he is being shown about events in the future, the battle for Jerusalem, and the Lord returning with his saints. Zechariah chapter 14, The Coming Day of the Lord Behold, a day is coming for the Lord, when the spoil taken from you will be divided in your midst. For I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, and the houses plundered, and the women raped. Half of the city shall go out into exile, but the rest of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then the Lord will go out and fight against those nations, as when he fights on a day of battle. On that day his feet shall stand on the Mount of Olives that lies before Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west by a very wide valley, so that one half of the mount shall move northward and the other half southward and you shall flee to the valley of my mountains. 
for the valley of the mountains shall reach to Azal, and you shall flee as you fled from the earthquake in the days of Uzziah king of Judah. Then the Lord my God will come, and all the holy ones with him. On that day there shall be no light, cold, or frost, and there shall be a unique day, which is known to the Lord, neither day nor night, but at evening time there shall be light. On that day living waters shall flow out from Jerusalem, half of them to the eastern sea, and half of them to the western sea. It shall continue in summer as in winter. And the Lord will be the king over all the earth. On that day the Lord will be one, and his name one. The whole land shall be turned into a plain from Geba to Rimon, south of Jerusalem. But Jerusalem shall remain aloft on its site from the gate of Benjamin to the place of the former gate, to the corner gate, and from the tower of Hananel to the king's winepresses. And it shall be inhabited, for there shall never again be a decree of utter destruction. Jerusalem shall dwell in security. And this shall be the plague with which the Lord will strike all the peoples that wage war against Jerusalem. Their flesh will rot while they are still standing on their feet, their eyes will rot in their sockets, and their tongues will rot in their mouths. And on that day a great panic from the Lord shall fall on them, so that each will seize the hand of another, and the hand of the one will be raised against the hand of the other. Even Judah will fight at Jerusalem, and the wealth of all the surrounding nations shall be collected, gold, silver, and garments in great abundance. And a plague like this plague shall fall on the horses, the mules, the camels, the donkeys, and whatever beasts may be in those camps. Then everyone who survives of all the nations that have come against Jerusalem shall go up year after year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Booths. And if any of the families of the earth do not go up to Jerusalem to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, there shall be no rain on them. And if the family of Egypt does not go up and present themselves, then on them there shall be no rain. There shall be the plague with which the Lord afflicts the nations that do not go up to keep the Feast of Booths. This shall be the punishment to Egypt and the punishment to all the nations that do not go up to keep the Feast of Booths. And on that day there shall be inscribed on the bells of the horses, Holy to the Lord. And the pots in the house of the Lord shall be as the bowls before the altar, and every pot in Jerusalem and Judah shall be holy to the Lord of hosts, so that all who sacrifice may come and take of them and boil the meat of the sacrifice in them, and there shall no longer be a traitor in the house of the Lord of hosts on that day. This concludes today's portion from the Old Testament from the prophet Zechariah. Now let's take a few moments to recap and reflect upon what we have just read. Zechariah chapter 14 began with these words, Behold, a day is coming for the Lord. The day of man is over, and the day of the Lord begins. Christ shall return to reign upon the earth, but the day of his arrival will be preceded first by severe judgments during the great tribulation. It will be a particularly troubling time for Israel. Jeremiah describes the first part of the day of the Lord as the time of Jacob's distress. Alas, for that day is great, there is none like it, and it is the time of Jacob's distress, but he will be saved from it. Jeremiah chapter 30 verse 7. Jerusalem will be besieged by the nations of the world. 
In the book of Revelation, we learn that demonic spirits go abroad throughout the whole earth to assemble the nations to battle against Israel. Revelation chapter 16, verse 4. Yet in the book of Zechariah, we learn that ultimately it is the Lord who will gather all the nations against Jerusalem. He oversees these activities. He will be using schemes plotted by demons to accomplish his objectives. For I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city will be captured, the houses plundered, the women ravished, and half of the city exiled, but the rest of the people will not be cut off from the city. Zechariah chapter 14 verse 2. Jerusalem at first will be captured, Israel will appear to be defeated, yet a portion of the city will be marked for protection, as we read about in Revelation chapter 11 verse 2. Apparently, God is separating out for himself those who will believe. Some districts will be ransacked, women will be abused, many Jews will die, half of the city will go into exile, and the rest of the people shall not be cut off from the city. At a critical moment, God intervenes in the person of his Son. The Lord Jesus Christ descends from heaven to set his feet upon the Mount of Olives, fulfilling what was predicted by angels on the day of his ascension. Jesus arrives on the same mountain from which he departed, and in a similar manner. In Acts chapter 1, verses 10 and 11 we read, And as they were gazing intently into the sky while he was going, behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. They also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. The event of Christ's return to the Mount of Olives is pictured in Zechariah chapter 14, verse 4. In that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which is in front of Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives will be split in its middle, from east to west, by a very large valley, so that half of the mountain will move toward the north and the other half toward the south. The earthquake described by Zechariah changes the topography of Israel so that water can flow from Jerusalem to both the western and eastern seas, that is the Mediterranean and what was formerly the Dead Sea. The book of Ezekiel tells us how the Dead Sea becomes alive with fish and plant life, most likely because it will have an outlet reducing its mineral content in Ezekiel chapter 47. A valley is opened up through which the believing remnant can make their escape. This may be the valley of Jehoshaphat, referred to by Joel, where God will judge the Gentile nations, in Joel chapter 3 verse 2 and verse 12. The Lord will return in time to finish the battle. He is not alone. He is accompanied by all His holy ones, in Zechariah chapter 14 verse 5. This great entourage could possibly include angels, resurrected Old Testament saints, and the New Testament church. They will return with Christ as members of the armies of heaven, in Revelation chapter 19, verse 14. We know that when Christ returns, He will be returning with all His saints, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 13, Colossians chapter 3, verse 4. Other scriptures support the view that believers will return with Christ. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Colossians chapter 3, verse 4. Now may our God and Father himself and Jesus our Lord direct our way to you, 
And may the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another and for all people, just as we also do for you, so that he may establish your hearts without blame in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 11-13 through 13. When the Lord intervenes for the last battle, there are unusual climate conditions on the earth due to the Lord's judgments. In Isaiah chapter 24, there will be no light, cold, or frost. At this time, there is no day nor night. Perhaps it will be like northern Scandinavia in the summer, the land of the midnight sun. A fresh water supply will usher forth from the Temple Mount at Jerusalem that will consistently supply for the needs of God's people. Best of all, Christ will reign there as King. And the Lord will be King over all the earth. In that day, the Lord will be the only one, and His name the only one. Zechariah chapter 14, verse 9. The ground between Geba and Rimon will be leveled by an earthquake. The temple of the Lord will remain aloft on its site near the gate of Benjamin. After the judgments upon the nations, Jerusalem shall dwell in security. In verse 11. A plague of sudden death will strike people, causing instant rotting of the flesh while they stand on their feet. It will be something as quick and devastating as the nuclear bombs at Nagasaki and Hiroshima. There will be a similar plague sent upon the animals in Zechariah chapter 14 verse 15. In Zechariah chapter 14 verse 12 we read, Now this will be the plague with which the Lord will strike all the peoples who have gone to war against Jerusalem. Their flesh will rot while they stand on their feet, and their eyes will rot in their sockets, and their tongue will rot in their mouth. Panic and confusion will cause warriors to attack one another. When Christ is enthroned, He will rule with a rod of iron. Those who survive the tribulation enter the millennium and will be required to come to Jerusalem to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. By this time, Jesus will have fulfilled the Feast of Passover in 1 Corinthians 5 verse 7, unleavened bread, Pentecost, trumpets, and the Day of Atonement. The Feast of Tabernacles celebrates God dwelling with us on the earth, and so it is fitting that this feast be celebrated during the 1,000-year earthly reign of Christ. In that day, the inscription that was once upon the high priest's turban alone will be engraved upon the bells of the horses. Every cooking pot will be like the vessels that were used before the altar. In other words, Christ's presence will have a sanctifying effect upon everything in the city. Now let's move on to another glorious view of the future. The book of Revelation, chapter 20, verses 1 through 15 in the New Testament. The Thousand Years. Revelation, chapter 20. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. And he seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years, and threw him into the pit, and shut it and sealed it over him, so that he might not deceive the nations any longer, until the thousand years were ended. After that he must be released for a little while. Then I saw thrones, and seated on them were those to whom the authority to judge was committed. Also I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast or its image, and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. 
The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. The Defeat of Satan When the thousand years are ended, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. Their number is like the sand of the sea. And they marched up over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. But fire came down from heaven and consumed them. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night for ever and ever. Judgment Before the Great White Throne Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. From his presence earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books, according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. And this concludes our reading from the New Testament from the Revelation of Jesus Christ. The portion we read today in the book of Revelation describes the same period that we are reading about in the book of Zechariah, the millennial reign of Christ. The reign of Christ on the earth will be worldwide in Isaiah chapter 2 verse 2 and Isaiah chapter 9 verses 6 through 7. He will reign in righteousness in a peaceable kingdom. God will fulfill His promise to King David and His descendant, the God-man Jesus Christ, will be on the throne forevermore. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 16, Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 5 and 6. He will serve as king, lawgiver, and judge. Isaiah chapter 33, verse 22. His word is law. The nations of the world will come to Jerusalem to worship. Chapter 20 begins with Satan being bound for a thousand years. An angel comes down from heaven with a delegated authority to throw him in the pit so that he deceives the nations no longer. After a thousand-year period, Satan is released from his prison for a short time. In Revelation chapter 20, verse 7, he will be allowed to deceive the nations once again and war against Christ and his people. The Lord intervenes as the enemy surrounds God's people. Fire came down from heaven and devoured them. Believers are blessed and counted as holy. They have had a part in the first resurrection and are saved from the second death, that is, being thrown into the lake of fire. We read of the devil coming to his end in Revelation chapter 20, verse 10. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are also, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. The chapter closes with a sobering reminder of what it will look like to be judged with no mercy due to people's rejection of Jesus Christ. At the great white throne, 
no one will be able to come to the defense of those who are charged as being still in their sins. Now we move on to the book of Psalms, the Bible's songbook and prayer book, and reading Psalm 148 will be Peter Healy, verses 1 through 14. Psalm 148, praise the name of the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all His hosts. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you shining stars. Praise Him, you highest heavens, and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for He commanded and they were created, and He established them forever and ever. He gave a decree, and it shall not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all deeps, fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy wind fulfilling his word, mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, beasts and all livestock, creeping things and flying birds, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and maidens together, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above earth and heaven. He has raised up a horn for his people, praise for all his saints, and for the people of Israel who are near to him. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Peter. The psalmist begins his song, encouraging those in the third heaven who have the Lord in their sight to launch forth in praise, in verse 1, for our praise must be focused on the one who sits on the throne. Then he exhorts the angels and the heavenly hosts, in verse 2. He encourages praise from the starry heavens, in verse 3. Then he solicits praise from the upper and lower atmosphere, in verse 4. It is only right that the Lord be praised, for He is the one who commanded their creation, in verse 5, and established their function, in verse 6. All forms of weather and dangers are made to praise God also. He can use these factors redemptively. Fire and hail, snow and clouds, stormy wind, fulfilling His word. Psalm 148, verse 8. The psalmist concludes, extolling the unique glories of our God and Savior, he praises God for the fellowship of the saints and all that He has done on behalf of His people. Now for our final stop in today's Bible reading tour, we go to the book of Proverbs, chapter 31, and we will read verses 8 and 9. Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and needy. Who will speak for those who cannot speak for themselves? As Christians, we need to speak up for the unborn children in the womb, whose voices cannot be heard when their lives are in jeopardy. We must speak for the handicapped, or any who are marginalized in our society to the degree that their voices are not heard. Now let's pray in the light of what we have learned. Lord, you reign over all. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We long for your coming, Lord Jesus. Establish your throne in us today and ready us for your kingdom rule on earth in the future. We join the symphony of praise being sounded in the third heavens and throughout all creation. 
You are worthy. Thank you for giving us the second birth and saving us from the second death. Empower and embolden us to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves and to preach the gospel to those who do not yet know you. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. This concludes today's excursion in the One Year Bible Reading Tour, and I hope that you will be with us tomorrow as we will be nearing the end of our journey through the entire Bible. And I hope you will be praying about continuing with us next year as we read through the Bible once again, trusting that the Holy Spirit will continue to open our eyes and enable us to behold wonderful things in His Word. If you have any questions or comments, you can always contact us by email, writing podcast at newlife.org, or if you'd like a written copy of our commentary on each day's portion, you can subscribe at our website, newlife.org. Also, at this time of year, if you're considering how you might contribute to the work of spreading the gospel and making disciples of all nations, you can learn how you can make a charitable donation to New Life Community Church's ministries at our website, newlife.org. Or you can send your gift to New Life Community Church, 221 Baker Avenue, Concord, Massachusetts. As believers, we can say that the future is as bright as the promises of God. So we anticipate a blessed new year. And I would like to repeat the blessing that the Apostle Paul gave to the church at Ephesus. May the Lord grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we could ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to Him be the glory in the Church and in Christ Jesus, to all generations forever and ever. Amen.